It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hey, friends, this is Andy. This episode of Accelerate is brought to you by KiteDesk. KiteDesk is the all-in-one sales development platform that lets you manage all of your sales development activities, such as email, direct dial phone calls, and your daily to-dos, all in one place to open up conversations, book more qualified meetings, and really create a predictable pipeline. KiteDesk Flow and KiteDesk Find allows us to find exactly the right people in the industries we're looking for, in the roles that we're looking for. That's KiteDesk customer Michael Orfis. Michael is head of sales at Stratified. In addition to the all-in-one management of his sales development team's days, KiteDesk helps him with another big part of his job. We have the ability with KiteDesk to do what we call targeted campaigns. Our conversion rate from what we were doing in the past to what we're doing now has been really massive. So you don't have to take tons of time to research, prospect, then blast large lists of people that never turn into sales opportunities. We're seeing higher clicks, we're seeing higher open rates, and Without question, we've seen a massive increase in pipeline generation. So, to learn more about KiteDesk, schedule a free demo, and learn how to create predictable pipeline at your sales organization, go to kitedesk.com forward slash accelerate. That's K-I-T-E-D-E-S-K dot com slash accelerate. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm so excited to talk with my guest today. I know you hear me say I'm excited to talk to guests a lot, and I am, but one of my favorites here today, Jim Keenan, the sales guy, often known as Keenan, sort of like a Brazilian soccer player who goes mostly by one name, author, speaker, consultant, runs a burgeoning sales empire, and you can find him online at thesalesguy.com. Jim Keenan, welcome to Accelerate. What's up, my man? How are you? Doing great, especially talking to you. Always great when I get a chance to talk with you. So, <laughs> you know, people may, if there's a chance, somebody didn't hear our interviews we did last year. We did a couple interviews uh, about your new book, but just take a minute and introduce yourself, sir. Tell us about yourself. Oh, I always suck at this. So, yeah, look, uh, you did a great job. I love, I'm a teacher at heart. I'm a agitator. I love change. I love motivation. And, and, uh, so I just happened to apply it all in the world of sales and, uh, social and, and, you know, get to do it through my company, a sales guy and, and through all the cool tools we have today. So YouTube and Twitter and LinkedIn, and it's a good time. Good time to be alive, baby. Yeah. And you've got a web show you run, right? Yes. The word, the, the word, word. A jolt of, yes. A jolt of sales 411. And we, we have uh, lots of cool guests um, come on and talk about sales and try to battle sales challenges. And we also have a, another one called uh, Taught Leaders, and that's from the book Not Taught, where we help people leverage 21st century success skills. And we've had cool people like Chris Brogan and, and other smart cats like that come on and help people get really good at, uh, at uh, being successful in today's world. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, people have to check that out, and we'll give them ways to learn more about that a little bit later in the show. So... Here we are, first week of January, and you know, everybody's looking forward with some degree of <laughs> anxiety and dread and excitement about the new sales year. So we want to make sure we give them some great tips and advice today to kick off the year. So I want to sort of set the table with a couple of questions. So the first one is, in your mind, based on what you've seen, let's just say in the last year or two, 
What's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps heading into 2017? Oh, wow. Um, heading into 2017. Um, oof, that's a great question as I ponder that. There's so many things. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be the contrarian on this one. I, I don't think people need to worry about what's going to be the big thing in 17 or 16 or 15 or 18. I think salespeople need to ask themselves, where is their greatest opportunity for growth as a salesperson within my industry, within my space, within my product set? And how can I exploit that? And, and what do I need to do in 17 to exploit that? Um, because look, we, we can't control the things around us, right? We, I, it, you know, being aware is the best I can do. If I know something, there's going to be a shift in the market and I'm aware of it, then I can be prepared to, to respond to that shift. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but if, if I'm, if I just am aware of what I want to accomplish going into the new year and I, um, set a goal around that, then that's all I need to really worry about. So look, I mean, there's a lot of things out there that's changing, right? I think one of the things that's really important to salespeople these days is being able to connect with buyers, right? How am I trying to connect with buyers, whether it's from inbound or outbound? That's a huge thing, right? How do I manage all my time? What about all these different tools? There's a lot of stuff going on that's shifting and changing. And, and I think if you're not careful, you'll get drowned by it. So I think my answer is, you know, don't worry about all that stuff. Focus on yourself and ask yourself, where are the greatest opportunities for me in my unique position, in my unique role, selling to my unique customers in my unique industry? Where are the greatest opportunities and how can I exploit those? And sort of following up on something you had said is, is you, know, you use the term connecting, but the thing that I hear a lot from managers and CEOs and from sales reps and even themselves is is that step beyond connection, that engagement, that that is that is the that's the part that still seems to be the hardest bridge for them to cross. Yeah, we're getting we get all this new technologies on, we're getting better at connecting, but not the engagement's still really difficult. Yeah, well, engagement is always difficult, and and what's even making it more difficult is more and more people are getting on it, right? It, it, you know, everybody talked about everybody's talking about social selling, and social selling has been sort of the quote unquote hot thing for the last, I'd say, three years. I mean, I wrote a social selling, did a social selling survey, like I think three or almost mm -hmm. four years ago now, right? I remember, and that, and that thing's been quoted a million times. Well, everybody's starting to pay attention and. And people are writing books. And so if everybody's out there trying to engage the same way, it's like a telephone, right? Well, I, okay, I realize now all these phone calls just to sell me something. So you just have to keep upping your game and keep changing your game. And, you know, authenticity plays a huge role. So it, it's always going to be, look, attention. When we talk about engagement, let's be honest, really we're talking about attention. It's an attention war. And if you can't get good at that game, it's just tough to sell. It's tough to sell. So how do they get good at it? How I mean, authenticity, I, I agree. That's huge. I mean, I, I, you know, I listen to yeah. recorded calls of SDRs, and it's like, yeah, these guys are all robots. I mean, yeah, you know, yes, yes. I, I think an absolute empathy. Okay, so there, there's different types of, so when I was thinking engagement, I was thinking from a prospecting perspective, but you're right. There's also empathy and engagement from the first call perspective. There's empathy That's what engagement. I was talking about. That really, yes. that, right? They're making that personal connection. Yes. Well, I mean, if you, so depending, so when you ask it like that, it, that is a huge depends, right? So am I making the, like, 
am I, have you d downloaded inbound paper and you agreed to a meeting and now I'm connecting with you? Well, how I build engagement that way is far different than how I'd create engagement. If I've never met you before, but I think you might be a target market. I think you might be someone that could benefit from our, my solution to what I offer. That's a different engagement versus the type of engagement when we're right at the very end of the sale and you're about to sign on the dotted line. That's a, and I want to make sure you get the right solutions. That's a different engagement to now that you're a customer and I realize you're not using the product as well as you could. So how do I drive engagement there? So the engagement is different as you move through this whole sales cycle and into the purchase and into the account management. Well, let's talk uh, more about the, I, the front end of it. I mean, what are some of the things you see that people are doing that, that need to change? Yeah, I know we're, we're generalizing, but... They're not authentic at all. So how do you, they, how do you, uh, how do you work on your authenticity? This is, this is, and this is a great topic because it's, it's one that a lot of people have is, you know, as you get more scripted in every way, how do we become more authentic in that environment? Well, authenticity is the idea that says you're being real and you're being honest, right? It's the idea that I'm being intellectually, emotionally honest. So if I'm calling you because I am trying to close a deal and I'm asking you a question only to get you to buy something, that's not being authentic, right? If I genuinely, the best way I could tell salespeople to do this is if I genuinely believe that I can help you create change that benefits you, that makes your job better, that makes you more money, that can get you a promotion, that can help you beat the competition, that can save, that can reduce time and effort. Whatever it is, if I genuinely believe that I can sell you something or offer something or give you something that will make things better for you, then everything I do is authentic because I'm putting you first. If I'm being driven for my own needs, like I need you to buy this because I need to make quota. I need you to buy this because I want to be the top rep. I need you to buy this because I don't want to lose my job. That's not authentic because everything you're doing is just trying to drive them for your needs. And it's evident to the buyer. Yes, very evident to the buyer. So you just don't. Go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you, you, it is very evident to the buyer. Clearly. Yes. So I guess I was going to follow up with that saying, okay, you know, one thing is I'm passionate about is okay how do we take these you know baseline behaviors like authenticity and and how do we how does an individual turn it into a habit right i mean how do you how do you make that authenticity you know integral to, to your style and your method and your day-to-day -day process so you so great question authenticity cannot be a habit for me it either exists or it doesn't exist because it, it, it's so in my opinion the you way can't you can't learn it you yeah uh no no, I don't think you can learn authenticity because I believe authenticity is how we engage or connect with something. So we all are authentic and already know how to do it and we have it. It's whether or not we are connecting with it in what we're doing, right? So when so someone comes innate, up and kisses you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we go through life moving in and out of authentic environments every single day. So authenticity does not need to be taught. Authenticity needs to be recognized. We need to, we need to be self-aware. Am I being authentic in this situation or am I not? So it's more about the ability to understand and um, uh, understand, am I connecting in an authentic manner or not? So a good example is what I like to tell salespeople is, Really put bring empathy to the table, right? I think that's the fastest way somebody be, can become authentic is by being empathetic to the person they're, they're selling to. And the minute you have to start selling through empathy, you are now connected to their needs. You're now connected to the, how they're feeling in their environment. You're now connected to their issues and challenges. And once you're connected to their issues and challenges, it's more, more difficult to be, to be inauthentic. Mm-hmm. The minute I put you first, right? The minute I say, I'm doing this, 
podcast because I want Andy to have the best kickoff. I want to provide content that can help him drive more people to his site or help him drive more awareness for this great podcast. The minute that is my objective, then everything I do from there is authentic, right? Mm-hmm. Because it fits it's in alignment with what you're trying to accomplish. If I instead say, well, I'm doing this because I want more or I want to get something out of her. I want a favor later. I, I, Andy's going to have to do something for me. Then what I deliver is inauthentic. It, I'm not driven by the correct motive. So everything's going to fail. It's not going to be a good podcast. It's probably going to be filled with commercials. I'll probably be late. I'm not going to give good answers, right? Because my motives are not aligned. That's being inauthentic. Well, maybe maybe another way to, to the wrong thing, right? Well, maybe maybe another way to look at it is is maybe in keeping with with your book that came out last year, not taught, which was a great book. We had you know two episodes on that. Is uh, maybe what what do people have to unlearn? You know, what would you recommend so that people unlearn maybe to help unshackle this authenticity? I don't know. So it's interesting. I, it's a, I don't think they have to unlearn something. I think they have to connect. I think they have to put themselves second. Let me, the good, logical, linear way of answering this is you have to remove yourself from the equation. So when you are, when you're reaching out to a prospect, you should not be reaching out with anything for you. Like you should not be thinking about you when you reach out. So that means you have to do a little bit of research to find out about what the company, we should be doing this, but when you do your research to find out what the company, um, does or what that person's role is or whatever. And you then ask yourself, okay, how can I help them? How can I make things better for them? So your drive, your motivation becomes, is driven by this desire to help, to fix, to change. And I've seen it in some salespeople who are really, really good when a customer or somebody doesn't buy, doesn't take their call, they get so angry, but it's funny. They don't get angry. Oh, I'm never going to make quota and I'm not going to make my number. It's, oh my God, these people don't understand what they're missing out on. These people, they're losing to their competition. If they would just listen to me, they could beat their competition. Like they're so distraught. Because they recognize or believe that because this buyer won't listen to him, this prospect won't listen to him, they're failing. And the fact that they're failing drives them crazy. Like a doctor, when someone won't take the medicine, it drives them crazy because they know it has detrimental effects. That's the, so that's what's the learning. Well, that's the, the objective. Are you emotionally connected to their outcome? Yeah, so I sort of, as you're talking, sort of think about this and you talk, remove yourself from the equation. If you really sort of think about it mathematically. You know, we have uh, empathy plus the buyer plus their needs plus your product or service equals the value, right? Minus you. Right. So what you have to do is, <laughs> yeah. you know, you didn't see you in that equation. Nope. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely, positively correct. And so when you're, when you're authentically committed to their end result, engagement is easier. So you see it. Like, you know, when you talked about the beginning, you see it when people pretend to try to connect with you. Oh, I'd love to help you do this. And then you talk to them and they know nothing about your business. They have no idea how they could help you. They're just trying to get the meeting to pitch. Let me tell you about what we do. Well, then you you don't care about me. 
this you're trying to make a sale. You're not trying to help me. You don't know what I do. You don't know how you can help me. You don't know what value you bring. So go screw. Go screw yourself. You don't give one down about me. Well, it gets back to some degree, too, what you talked about first of what they should be focused on for 2017, which is what do they need to learn to be the best possible selves? You know, what, how do they develop themselves? And if they can do that, then the prospects and the buyers benefit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 was, I did a speaking engagement a little while back, and someone asked me a question, and, and I've never forgot my answer. You know, so I'm, a, I'm a jazz speaker. Everything's improvisational. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And someone asked me about, you know, how do you know a, uh, you're selling correctly? And this has been my new pat answer. And I, I think we can put the goal for 2017 into this. You know that you are a badass salesperson if a company would hire you to be a consultant to solve the problems in their company that the product you sell solves. Mm-hmm. So, in, so in other words, I don't even, I want your product, but I want you to come in and consult me on how to solve this problem. That's when you know you're a truly brilliant salesperson. Because what that, what that says is this person, this buyer recognizes that your knowledge of the space and your knowledge of the problem sets are superior to them. And yet there's, I, I agree 100%. And I've, mm-hmm. I've written specifically about that. <laughs> I've had other guests on the show say the exact same things, which I think is apt as there was a gentleman I had on uh, He's a professor in, in Belgium, a guy named Régis Lemens, who's written about this and written a book about this, that the exact scenario you just described, he thinks that's the only way you survive and succeed in business-to-business sales going forward, especially in the complex enterprise sale. Yep. If you can't do that, yep. yeah, you're not adding enough value. Why, why are you in the equation? Exactly. Why are you in the equation? Exactly. So when you talk about 2017, I think that's what some salespeople should aspire to, right? How much do I know about my customers, my customers' processes, the industry, uh, the success measurements, the application, not the, what I sell, but the application of the tools, et cetera, in, or the application of the processes within my clients so that I can even I could have an hour, two, three hour long conversation without ever having to mention my product. Can you do that? So there seems if to be. You can't. Right. I was going to say, there seems to be a, in some quarters in sales, there seems to be a, a little bit of a pushback on that whole notion that sales reps need to be, what you talked about, have really have specialized knowledge as opposed to just sort of be generalists that are the traffic coordinators for. You know, bringing the other experts in. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Yes and no. Like I'm a huge fan of, of of technical engineers, of sales engineers. Don't get me wrong. Look, a salesperson, you know, selling some really complex technical. You don't. They don't need to know radio frequencies. I mean, look, the best ones do. Oh, by the way, right? The best ones do. Yeah, I, I was in the satellite this, business. I taught myself yes. a lot. Um, but there's absolutely a line, right? So that from a technical depth sure. perspective that becomes a lot of diminishing return. Cause I, what I really want to know or salespeople to know is the level of application and the application value of those types of things. But no, no, I like to look at it slightly differently. I, I wrote a post about this several years ago 
I disagree with the idea that says they need to be generalists, and I disagree with the idea that they need to be very specified. I really like the idea of what I call renaissance people. Mm-hmm. These, I believe the best salespeople are renaissance people, that they have a vast, vast knowledge of all kinds of crazy stuff that when they're in the sale, they can pull from. And to some people be completely on the service, unrelated, but in the sale, they can pull that out and say, oh, okay, you said this. Well, do you realize there was a study that talked about this? Or do you know in the world of art, this type of mm-hmm. behavior, this type of thing is like this? And so I think, whoa, how did they just do that? Right? So I, I think it's about being a renaissance person, personally. I do, too. I, mean, that's, that's, I like to think that's the, the mold I fit into. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I could learn enough about technology, but at a certain point. The customer knew not to even ask me the question, right? <laughs> because yep. A, I wasn't going to try to BS them, and mm-hmm. B, there was something better to answer the question. But I knew enough about a broad mm-hmm. range of subjects. Mm-hmm. I, I love the expression by, and you might like this from Thomas Huxley back in the 19th century English writer, uh, who said that you know your goal should be to know something about everything and everything about something. Yes, yes, yes. I, I like that. I do like that a lot. And it's fun watching those people sell because they it's just amazing watching their brains work. Yeah. All right. So sort of taking a step further in this the same sort of vein is that you know, we are seeing that, you know, we might seem to be more distinctly process driven in many areas of sales than perhaps was true in the past. And again, sort of reflecting what I'm seeing when I talk to reps and watch reps in action and so on, is that that I think back to my own experience where I worked in environments where there's a process, but I, I shaped it to my own in order to succeed with my skill sets and things I was good at. And it seems like we're seeing reluctance to do that or reluctance of managers to let people be individuals. And to me, it seems like it's really important. I was just interested in your take on that as people look at 2017, both for managers and individuals, that the, I believe they should feel empowered to, to express that individuality. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, this is how I look at it. You as a a manager have to allow people to go get their, to, to make their number themselves, right? You have to allow them to leverage their strengths and talents that work best for them. If you think everybody has to do it the same way, you miss, you're missing the point because the average uh, person, not everybody does everything the same way. So the one person who has a skill here, if what you're telling them to do doesn't map to that skill, you're handicapping them. So everybody needs to know what their objectives are. Um, and then you need to let them go get it themselves. So the one thing that I would say to the average salesperson is you go into 2017, critically, these are three things I would say to you. First, know what you want to accomplish. And don't you dare accept quota as the only goal you have for the year. Every time I go into a consulting gig and I ask everybody, what's your goal? They're like, well, my goal's $10,000 a month. Is that <laughs> your quota? $40,000 yes. a month of recurring revenue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, whose goal is that? Well, that's my goal. Well, where did it come from? It's my quota. So basically you're telling me that you're just a robot and they tell you what it is and that's it. You accept it and move on. Well, what should it be? I'm like, you tell me. Like, don't, don't you have, don't you want to own your job? Don't you want to own it? So the first thing is figure out what your goal is. Yeah, I have a revenue goal and if it's going to be uh, and it better not be what they tell you. It's got to be some number above what they gave you, and you got to figure that out. Then it also needs to be a personal development goal, or what do you call a mastery goal? If you're if you're familiar with um, Carol Dweck, mm-hmm. right? A mastery goal is I want to get better at something else, whether it's better at closing, better at engagement, better at social. I really don't care, but you need to have a mastery goal, and 
then it's about execution, right? People aren't very good at execution and it's a skill set that you could ever be learning on. So once you decide what you want to do, what your goal is for the year and how you're going to measure that, sit down and actually write down in some clear form how. How are you going to get better at social media? How are you going to make the, the, the revenue goal that you put out there in front of you? What specifically are you going to do? Right? I mean, are you going to make X amount of calls? Are you going to get a certain amount of training? Are you going to learn more about the product? Are you going to um, work closely with the SEs? Are you going to learn social selling? I guess what you did, that's a mastery goal. Are you going to like, what are you going to do? And how often are you going to do it? And how are you going to schedule it in? And I mean, build yourself a freaking plan. Build yourself a calendar. Yeah. I mean, just know what you're going to do. Have a vision, not of just what and where, but have a vision of how. You need the how. Not enough talk on the how. I I love... Sorry, go. I was going to say, what does does the first 30 days look like then in that environment? First 30 days of 2017, you've got your personal development goal. Obviously, you've got your sales goal. You know, what's the first 30 days look like? Well, if, if, if you come in on January 1st and you have all of those goals, it's full-fledged, unadulterated execution. So what it looks like is what you wrote down. Like you better have very clear um, execution steps. Like you, should, you shouldn't be doing anything that you haven't put into your, your plan. All right. So, so if you're listening to this and you have, don't have your plan, as Jim talked about, that's the first step. And it doesn't tend to take – this is not a day-long project. No. No. I mean – you could spend a half hour on this. Then nah, sh- I suggest more than a half hour, but yeah. Because well, look at it. You can't figure out the how in a half hour. No, so but you should, you should have a pretty good idea what it is in your mind already. If you're a complete blank slate at this point, that's problematic, right? So let's go. This will be a good debate. No, I completely I disagree because everybody talks about what? What? Yes, I want to... Um, I want to, uh, let's just say, I want to do 50000 a month in ARR and and the average person that comes to is 30 and my quote is... 35. So I want to beat everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so basically I just committed to doing 20, quick math, like 20% more than everybody else. Okay. Well, how am I going to do that? Am I just going to make cold calls? Okay. And that's what happens, right? I'm going to make two extra cold calls a month and um, I'm going to uh, focus on this industry and they are, I'm done. That, well, that's not going to get to the number. Like you've got to put some thought into this. Like, where is that going to come from? One of the things I do to, to challenge people's plans, I re- re-engineer it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, rever- I'm sorry. I reverse engineer it. So they put it out there and they say, oh, I'm going to do 10 million widgets. OK, great. How many widgets did you do last time? I did 50 widgets. OK. And what did you do to get those uh, 500, whatever, 50, what did I say? 10 million, 5 million, 5 million widgets. I'm going to do 10 million this time. What did you do to get the 5 million widgets? I re- jumped up and down twice. OK, so if you jump up and down twice, to, will you get five more widgets? Yes. OK, so we've got a... a um, a uh, what you might call it a, a gap for five million more. If you jump up and down four times, will you get five million widgets? No. All right. So what do we have to do? So they write all the stuff they do down, and I say, okay, how many widgets are you going to get for that action? How many widgets are you going to get for that action? How many widgets are you get for that action? And it never ever adds up to their goal. Oh, exactly. Because right, because we don't think we put we put down execution goals and tactics because we like how they work, but we never ask the next question. Well, how much will this get me? I do this with major corporations. I had a client once say they were investing in, um, in, um, challenger sale. And I, this is no judgment on challenges. Mm-hmm. 
part of their, their strategy for, the, for their number the next year. And I said, okay, so when you see this 20% growth number and I ask you what's your strategy and part of that strategy is investing in challenges sale, my question to you is how much additional revenue did you attach to training a team to challenge a sale? They didn't have an answer, right? Yeah, so yeah. This, this is why I say this is more than a half hour exercise. Well, no, so you the half hour I was so. talking about for the individual sales rep is if you tell somebody, look, and this is, I've had this experience too many times, is you tell a sales rep, hey, let's put together your plan for next year. Here's the criteria. We agree on it. And if it's, they just can't tack it, tackle it in bigger bites than that. So it's going to take more than one half hour session to do, but they, oh, can, at least, they can at least start with a half hour to start the process and say, hey, this is the outline. Then I got to go a little bit deeper, put it into my calendar because, yeah, I'm tired of written plans that never get acted on. So, you know, I tell people, plan into your calendar. You know, if it's not on your yeah. calendar, it doesn't happen. So if you got personal uh, development yeah. goals, it goes in your calendar every, what, three times a week, twice a week, half hour. Where is it? Yeah. You know, prospect like all people, that stuff. What I like to tell people to do is, is to your point, if you only can do a half hour day and you're planning, right, start, start with, I'm going to figure out my goals. So let's just say I'm going to start with goals. Take a half hour to find out what your goals are. Normally, you can figure out what your goals are in a half hour. Then after that, start saying, start with one goal at a time. What do I need to do specifically to make that goal a success, right? And so spend a half hour specifically on that, those things. Then when you're done with that half hour, come back and say, okay, those objectives or those strategies that I have to do to make that goal happen, spend another half hour on what do I need to do to make those strategies work that will make that goal happen, uh-huh. right? So this way they're linked and it's, it's, you can be focused on the small pieces. You don't have to try to, like you say, swallow the elephant whole. You can really do this in small pieces. So then when I'm done with that first goal and those strategies and those initiatives, then I can go to the next goal and say, okay, now what do I need to do here? And you can do it in a very linear, isolated box. So when you start thinking about goal one and the strategies that are associated with that, you're not confused with all the other stuff. Then you can go put that stuff in your calendar. Then you can go build the execution model. But you actually are able to think of it in isolation uh, and in alignment with what the goal is. So when you say I'm going to do X, Y, Z, you know that's associated with that goal. And I think goal. I, and I agree. And I've I've got an ebook on this that lays it out just as you talked about objective strategies, action items. You know, everything breaks down to that. Got due dates and so on. But I, one thing that I've found over time and and have changed even in the last ten years is that for planning purposes, I tell people. Just look at a 90-day horizon because in sales, things change so rapidly that things, you know, certain things are going to change in your plan. Yes, yes, and if, yes. And if you say, look, I, Agreed. I planned it out for the year in great detail and then I get to 90 days and it's like, well, geez, I'm not even doing half these things anymore, but no, I'm still doing great because these other things have happened is, you know, take it in smaller horizons. You know, 90 days at a time is a great way to start. From action perspective, completely agree. For the tactics and actions, completely agree. From the goals, I don't like ninety-day goals. Well, no, the because, goals. Yeah. You have annual goals, but I mean, your implementation yes. is gonna is gonna vary. So completely agree. You're yeah. spot on. Yeah, when I talk mm-hmm. about the plan, I'm talking about the details about how you make it happen. So cool. So I don't want to ignore sales managers and all this. So you know, in the few minutes we have left, is is you know, sort of set the table for sales managers. Sort of what what should they be looking at this year? Their team. Their team. Look, we I just did. Uh, the word podcast an hour ago with Steve Rosen. And it was a great conversation. And unequivocally, one of my biggest passions about this is 
sales managers need to stop worrying and focusing on the numbers. And they need to start worrying and focusing on their team and the individuals. And so what I would argue is if I'm a sales manager and I'm going into 2017, I want a full assessment, full baseline assessment of where my team is today in relationship to where I think they should be across the critical success factors. In other words, what are the things that are most important in the job for them to be good at, right? And then from there, I want to build a development plan uh, and a coaching approach or cadence Mm -hmm. for every one of them, for every one of them. So I can build the team collectively, horizontally and vertically throughout the year to get more out of them. All right. Great recommendation. So, Keenan, we move into the last uh, segment of the show. I've got some standard questions. You did this once before, so I'm going to change the questions so you don't have the same ones. But just a few, few sort of rapid-fire questions that uh, I ask all my guests. So, And you sort of answered this first one. So the first one is, in your mind, is it easier to teach a technical non-salesperson how to sell or teach a salesperson how to sell a technical product? Oh, ha, 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 ha. A, a real salesperson how to sell a product. Okay. Yeah, right. easy. Easy, okay. Yeah, we got lots of split opinion on that. Um, so what's what's one non-sales book? It could be a novel, it could be not a business book at all. Just something completely you know, out of the business profession what, that you think every salesperson should read. Something that, that influenced you. It's not a sales book? Yeah. And not a business book either? Yeah, preferably not. But if it has to be a business book, it can be. Ah, it's, uh, um, all right. So one of my favorite books, um, Animal Farm. Mm-hmm. Um, George Orwell, yes. Yep, yep. Or um, Lord of the Flies, I would say, are two books that if you're not a salesperson, I mean, so if you're a salesperson, you have to read a book that's not business and that's not, um, uh, that's not, um, business or sales. I would go with those two. And the reason being is both of those books have themes about influence and sales is about influence. When you think of animal farm, the pigs start taking over, right? Mm-hmm. And, there is a battle for supremacy or control. People are trying to, you know, the pigs come in and they use fear to influence the other farm animals about how the farmer is going to come and slaughter them or how they do all the work. And the farmer just sits in his, in his, in his farmhouse doing nothing. That's influence. They're influencing. And the same thing with Lord of the Flies. As those boys sit there, there's a battle again for control and there's a battle for supremacy. And they're trying to influence one another uh, into how they're going to uh, build a society together and what they're going to do and not to. And that's all sales. Every time you're trying to influence somebody, that's sales. Great answer. Great answer. Best answer we've had yet on that. Excellent job. Thank All you right. very much. Two more quick questions. First one is, if if you could change one thing about your business self, what would it be? Um, well, I'm not sure how to put this in words. Um, You're not 
flipping me the finger or something, are you? Yeah, no, no, no. I'm trying. I know exactly what it is. I haven't solved for it yet, but uh, I'm too easily distracted. So, um, if I could, you know, if I could get better at being more focused, longer. Okay. I'm a what? sprint worker. I'm a sprint worker. So, yeah. I work really hard, and then all of a sudden, ooh, what was that? You know, get sidetracked, and then I'll be really focused. Ooh, what was that? Right. So I don't need long breaks, but I can't work really long either. And I would, it would be kind of nice if I could stay focused longer and not be sidetracked. Like, well, you need a, you know, and Pomodoro timer. Do you use one of those? No. All right. It's an app. Look for it. Pomodoro okay. timer, like the Italian for tomato. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's for sprint working in sprints. It, you set a timer, it goes for 25 minutes, then it tells you to take a break for five minutes and go and walk around and come back and then you do it again. Yeah, I'll check that out. Why can't, wait, so why wouldn't I just use my regular timer on my phone? You could, but this is just easier. Click this, it's a button on your, on your menu bar and it just starts. <laughs> oh, know? I see. On your menu. Got it, got it, got it. I was thinking on my phone. Got it. Okay. Got yeah, it, got but it, it, right. it comes on your phone too, but it's just, it's just simpler. Essentially, it's, trust me, okay. much easier. Also, I just, right. I just learned about an uh, app I have to download myself. I just learned about from our mutual friend, Jill Conrath, about, uh, called Focus at Will. Apparently, it's an uh, app that plays specific type of music to help you uh, focus for certain tasks. Mm. All right, I like that. All right, so you got two recommendations. All right, last thing for you. Do you have a favorite quotation or words of wisdom that you live by? Um, yeah. So I have a whole bunch. I love quotes, but this is, this is, this is a Keenan quote. I think it's very apropos for selling the value of something is not measured by how badly you want it, but by what you're willing to give up for it. Love it. Say it one more time. The value of something is measured not by how badly you want it, but by what you are willing to give up for it. Excellent. Love it. Mm-hmm. All right. We just have thousands of people just wrote that down. So that's why I had you repeat it. So people can have it for a thought for 2017. So, Keenan, great as always to talk with you. So, tell people how they can connect with you. Thanks, but Yeah, it's you, Jim Keenan. Uh, you run that on Google. You find me everywhere. Actually, Keenan's creeping up too, which is a big deal because Keenan is a pretty popular search so much I didn't know it. I think I finally made the first page. Um, you can find me on YouTube channel. You can find me on a salesguide.com. You can find me on Twitter at, at Keenan. You can find me on LinkedIn at Keenan as well. Uh, Keenan dot sometimes because they wouldn't let me leave the second one blank um and yes you holler you shout shout out i'll shout back you just say hey keenan on twitter and i will find you and say hello hey keenan that was mm-hmm. like it reminds me of a cartoon show so was some hey what was my kids always watch anyway well jim <laughs> great sorry i didn't mean to get distracted by that it's been fabulous having you on the show thanks again Friends, thank you for taking time off your day, especially this first week of January, to listen to the show. And remember, make it part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And easy way to do that, take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Jim Keenan, a sales guy who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Till next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.